With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning, Prince George. It's not Trudy Clausen. Trudy will be back next week, thankfully. It's Neil Godbue, the editor-in-chief of the Prince George Citizens, subbing for Trudy this week on CFIS from the downtown studios on the traditional territory of the Clayton today. A special show today. We're going to talk about climate change. We're going to talk about and we're, we're going to talk about climate change with two of my favorite guys to talk about climate change because, and up until five minutes ago, they had never met, which shocks the hell out of me that in a town this size, I have no idea how Art Betke and Todd Whitcomb had never met, but they certainly have argued a lot online about climate change. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk about climate change this morning. Welcome, Todd and Art. Good morning. morning. Thanks for taking the time. Um, and hey, thanks for to CFIS for doing this. This is fun. This will be fun, uh, and and I do want it to keep it fun and keep it light. It's it's it is a serious issue, of course, uh, but I do want to keep it light. And I also do want to start with putting my cards on the on the table. I, I'm, I, I I guess personally, I'm. I, I lean on the side that climate change is happening, but I just don't know how much. And I, I don't know whether I'm, I, I fit in with a lot of other Prince George residents and a lot of other Canadians. Um, I, 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 I do think climate, there is climate change happening that is man caused, just like a lot of other huge changes to our natural world that have been caused by our presence uh, but i'm i'm I, is it a huge existential crisis i i have to admit i'm 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 not 100 sure i so i so maybe I, I i'm here to learn something and i hope our listeners will uh, uh will learn something too of course todd you've written extensively about uh, the 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 the, the climate change and the risks it posed to humanity and our earth and art you've written extensively that that simply is not so that climate change is far more of a natural process that has happened uh, multiple times across geological time art why don't you get us started uh i i see you've got notes there take about five minutes and lay out your your view Okay, my prepared statement. Um, the issue is catastrophic anthropogenic global warming, uh, C-A-G-W. So is it happening? Well, let me break it down. Is the globe warming? Yes, it is. And no, it isn't. It depends. It depends where you start. 16,000 years ago, the planet was still in the grip of an ice age glaciation. So naturally, it was much colder than now. So if we start our comparison there, it most certainly shows a warming trend over the past 16,000 years. But obviously, that's irrelevant to this discussion. So let's get a little closer. Uh, let's look at start at 7,000 years ago. And surprise, it shows a cooling trend. The planet was considerably warmer 7,000 years ago. Well, let's little move it a little closer in uh, to where our history more or less begins. 2,000 years ago, yeah, still cooling. It was warmer then. 1,000 years ago was warmer. It was a cooling trend from then till now. But to be honest, the concerns that we're hearing about, uh, they're only from the start of the Industrial Age, about 180 years ago. And indeed, if we start then, the globe has definitely warmed. 
coincidentally, 180 years ago, was within the historical epoch known as the Little Ice Age, which happens to be the coldest time in the last 8,000 years. Only the Younger Dryas was colder since the end of the last Ice Age. On top of that, 180 years is a rather short time period to establish a trend in climate. So, is the globe warming? Yes and no. It depends. Is the recent mild warming anthropogenic? Was it caused by our emissions since we started burning quantities of fossil fuels? Again, yes and no. Yes, if we put a greenhouse gas into the atmosphere, we will cause warming. But as the record clearly shows, there are major natural influences that cause fluctuations in global temperature. Is our contribution sufficient to overwhelm the natural variations? The evidence says no. And finally, is this warming catastrophic? Again, the record shows that it has been much warmer in the past without any catastrophic result. The current warming is the same rate as past warmings. So where's the signal that our minor contribution could in any way be dangerous? If we go back a little farther than the 180 years, we can see patterns in global temperature fluctuations. A thousand years ago was warmer than now called the medieval climate optimum by historians before we started panicking about global warming. And it's called optimum because it was much better. Humanity thrived in the warmer era. We look back another thousand years, it was warmer then too, called the Roman warming. And a thousand years before that was the Minoan warming. And all three of these warmings were warmer than now. So there is a definite cycle of warmings and coolings of approximately 1,000 years. If we just look at that proxy temperature record and compare it to now, there's absolutely nothing unusual about this modern warming. So should we be concerned at all about climate change? Uh, yes, we should. As I've just said, global temperatures change naturally, but they change in two ways, both warming and cooling. Historical warm eras have been good for humanity. It's the coolings that have been deadly. Between the Roman warming and the medieval warming, the Dark Ages cooling had a population decline of 40% in Europe. The more recent Little Ice Age cooling was also catastrophic. So what would happen if it cooled down like that again? And some say it isn't a matter of if, but when. It will happen again, because it's a natural cycle. And when it does, and the northern grain crops fail, crops that the world depends on, the consequences will be rather horrendous. And that is the climate change we should be most concerned about, the cooling. Now I have a quote here. The international global warming climate change movement is nothing more than an anti-growth, anti-capitalist, anti-American campaign masquerading as a crusade to save the planet. That was Margaret Thatcher. And coincidentally, Margaret Thatcher was also quite responsible in getting the whole concerns started. She wanted to find something wrong with coal to take down the unions. That's it for me. Thanks, Art. I wrote a whole bunch of notes there. I'm going to be asking you guys different questions at different times, but I definitely want opening statements from both of you and, and kind of follow-up statements after that. Todd. By the way, it's not just man, it's humanity that's causing the problem. You forgot the women of the... Oh, it's, it's not 50% of the population. 
Uh, some so women our, might say it is. <laughs> so ours taken us back 16,000 years or 11,000 years since the last Ice Age. Um, I'm going to take us way back. So we're going to talk about the Earth's history and geology, and just I want to go through an overview of that. Because the Earth is about 4.56 billion years old, and that's a long time. And over that period, it's gone through many changes, no question about it. About 3.4 billion years ago, the carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere were 35%, which it was one of the dominant gases. It had There were more carbon dioxide. Well, oxygen wasn't even around at that point. You couldn't have free oxygen in that early a- atmosphere. But all of that carbon dioxide over the course of time dissolved into the ocean. It acidified the ocean. The ocean picked up, you picked up minerals from the, the rocks and the, the land masses, and you eventually had that settling out as sediment in the form of calcium carbonate, limestone. Okay? But two billion years ago, the atmospheric carbon dioxide levels leveled off at about 250 parts per million, which is the natural equilibrium value for carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And it's been roughly that ever since. And I say roughly because I'll come back to that in a few minutes. So this is the period where, which was called the Archaean. It's when life developed. There's stromatolites that formed in, in uh, various places and the like. About 2.7 billion years ago, life learned a new trick. It learned how to do photosynthesis. It learned how to do carbon dioxide, take carbon dioxide and water, and use the sun to turn those into sugar. And it produces little side product. It wasn't a big deal. A few parts per million. It's called oxygen. Well, you know, nobody had any concerns about it. There were a bunch of people going, ah, it's a natural variation, I'm quite sure. Right? Well, technically, I guess it wouldn't be people. It would be little tiny microorganisms. But, right? But basically, having oxygen as a life form allowed people to grow faster, allowed the organisms to grow bigger, and they outcompeted the archaean. And they produced more oxygen, which allowed for more of that type of organism to evolve, which allowed them to produce more oxygen. And the whole thing got to a tipping point and went through what geologists call the great oxygenation event. Life on this planet produced oxygen, which allowed life on this planet to produce oxygen, which allowed life on this planet to thrive and produce oxygen. And so there was this massive oxygenation event. It took about 100 million years. This was not a slow event. But on the geological record, it took a huge amount of time. So plants emerged, animals um, eventually evolved, and, and, you know, the rest is history, as, as, as we, you could say. But from there to here, it's not a smooth past. But I do want to talk, before I get back to that smooth past, I do want to talk a little bit about how we know some of the things we know. See, modern science really only has been around for about 100 years. Not even that. The gas chromatograph was invented in 1952, which is a workhorse for being able to understand things. So we only had about seven decades to really delve into science, about five decades of, of research on, on the ancient history, of delving into the deep, dark depths of the earth, right? And we've learned a great deal about all of this. We've un- began to understand it all, Right. And so we understand things like how atoms work and how molecules work and how um, climate works and how ecosystems work and, and all of this sort of material. We can date the stratigraphy, stratigraphy of the planet. We can um, determine atmospheric contents. We can model complex ecosystems. We can understand the oceans and the, and the, and the uh, atmosphere. We can trace atmospheric rivers as they wend their way through the jet stream. We've learned so much in the last 50 years. 
And what we do know is what we've done to the atmosphere and what we're continuing to do to the planet. We can measure our impact. So as I said, the last couple of billion years has not been a straight linear path. About 540 million years ago, there was an explosion of life. But all of that came to abrupt end at the uh, 262 million years ago, what was called the end of the Permian um, mass extinction. There have been five mass extinctions in in the planet. 96% of species, 57% of genera, 56% of families, 95% of all living organisms on this planet died in a very short order. What was the cause? It was something called the Siberian Traps. These are magma flows that occurred in Siberia. They released huge amounts of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, comparable to the levels we're seeing now. And it caused this mass extinction to occur. There have been five major mass extinctions, three of them. One of them we know, oh, everybody's seen Jurassic Park, and it was the um, asteroid that came down and killed the, the dinosaurs. There's actually a lot of debate right now that argues that, in fact, actually, the, the asteroid didn't wipe out the dinosaurs. It was a climate impact that it had down the road that actually resulted in the eventual demise of the, the dinosaurs. But at the end of the day, we know that three of those mass extinctions were caused by carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere. So I would suggest that changing the carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere is a bad idea. Um, to do, keep going the road we're going for what is, in my opinion, a faulty economic model is not a good strategy. And the real question is, you know, as the atmosphere changes, will life exist? Yes. But will it be life as we know it? And will we be around to see it? Those are the questions that we really need to ask. I want to give each of you, we're going to take a break in about five minutes or so, but I want to give both of you a couple minutes to respond. Art, uh, Todd basically said this is a life or death mass extinction uh, issue. Uh, You have to wipe out like 96% of the species on Earth, and I can't see any evidence of that happening. Uh, and and the the events he talks about where the massive amounts of carbon dioxide in the air uh, were not the slow accumulation that we're putting in right now. And uh, so, so there's no real comparison. Um, as I have read somewhere that uh, well, all the planets or the plants that we have on Earth right now Evolved at a time when carbon dioxide was at uh, a thousand parts per million. So here now at just over 400 parts per million, that would, uh, that puts them in basically a system of, uh, carbon dioxide starvation. Uh, these, uh, well, that's about all right now. Like, we, okay. we're, we're gonna, it, it's a whole lot different with what's happening now compared to what happened way back then. Right. Todd. So Art's comment was that 16,000 years ago, the Earth's atmosphere and the temperature was different. And after the young Dryas, younger Dryas, which finished in 11,700 years ago, give or take, um, that, you know, this we've had many times when it's been warmer. Not really. Um, nothing of substance, nothing of uh, of time. More importantly, though, if you, if you really have to look at the long-term record, if you go back 800,000 years, and we can do this through ice cores and, and analysis, what you find is that uh, over that 800,000-year period, 
the, the average carbon dioxide or the total carbon dioxide in the atmosphere never hit above 300 parts per million. And we're now at 420. We're well above what it was. And you can track temperature against carbon dioxide concentrations and demonstrate a correlation. The, the atmosphere temperature right now, we are hotter than we have been for any time in the, since the start of the Holocene. And we are heading towards a hotter climate as we speak. We have 8 billion people that we're trying to feed, and we're not going to be able to do it on what we have the way the world is going. There's a lot to unpack with this. It's, it's, it's political, it's social, it's cultural. Uh, there's even a view of, uh, I, I guess, how we perceive science and the role of science that it plays in our everyday life. That's all stuff I want to unpack a little bit, um, and I, I do want to do that, but I think we're going to take a short break and come right back. You ever thought to yourself, boy, it'd be nice to have a show that only features pop rock into a from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and the odd time a little bit nearer? Well, you found the place. Saturday evenings, 9 to 11, it's all the map with Jimmy James, and it's the show that does feature pop rock into a from those decades. There's also the 930 1970s feature track, the 10 o'clock double shot, and to put the wraps on every week's show, the final vinyl feature. So tune in Saturday evenings, 9 to 11. It's all the map with Jimmy James, only here on 930.1 CFISFM. Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250 and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Does Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery offer baking for diabetics? Yes, cheesecake, carrot cake, blueberry pie, brownies, and more. The cheesecake and carrot cake each have four net carbs per slice. Blueberry pie has five, and the brownie has just three net carbs. Do these specialty baked goods taste good? People love them. What else would you like to say to our diabetic listeners? Come to Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery next to Pharmasave on 7th at Quebec. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, a 60% chance of showers this afternoon with the risk of a thunderstorm, a high of 22 with a high UV index. Cloudy tonight, becoming partly cloudy near midnight and a low of 13. For Friday, clearing in the morning, a high of 23 with a high UV index. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. We're on After 9 this morning talking about climate change with Art Betke and Todd Whitcomb. We had some opening statements, and as your host, I'm going to challenge both of you and say at this point, uh, a, a kind of a pox on both of you a little bit, <laughs> because who cares about what happened 7,000, 70,000, 7 million years ago? Most people, and I'm one of them, want to know what's going to happen in the next 7 or 70 years. In other words, in my lifetime, in the lifetime of my kids and my grandkids. I don't have grandkids yet, thank God. Knock on wood. I hope that stays that way for a while. Um, and, and I guess as a, as, as a critic, this is where I, I, I feel that a lot of people get 
kind of throw their hands up in the air about all this climate change stuff is we're talking about stuff that either happened in early human history or in geological time millions of years ago. Um, I get that it informs the debate, but let's go... F- I, 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 and in terms of the proof, one way or the other, about climate change. So I guess I want to talk about the future. Okay, so the simple answer is neither Art nor I nor you nor anybody has a crystal ball and can look into the future and say, this will be what happens. What I can tell you is what we know about changes in temperature and what it, how it affects things like rainfall, water distribution, how it affects the, 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 the formation of droughts, how it impacts the world as a whole, and, you know, the increasing desert, desert, desertification. Um, these are things that we do know are tied to temperature and the overall average surface temperature of the world. And so we can say, you know, we know that when the earth is cooler, you have smaller deserts. When it's hotter, we have bigger deserts. Um, these are things that we do know correlate. So can we predict the future? No. But I can tell you that as the temperature of the planet on average increases, it will have certain impacts on the overall structure of the atmosphere and our ecosystem. So our, doesn't that make sense in terms of, of maybe we don't need to, to fully agree that, that it's an existential crisis and that we're facing not only the mass extinct, the extinction of humanity, but the mass extinction of the, the vast majority of, of the living organisms on Earth. But we, can we just look at it selfishly and say, you know what, for our kids and our grandkids, maybe we need to take out an, an insurance policy, if you will, and reduce our emissions. Uh, if reducing our emissions makes things worse for us, then maybe we shouldn't do that. Define worse. Uh, freezing in the dark, just to be simple. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and when it comes to looking at the future, uh, like Todd said, I, none of us are prophets. But one of the ways uh, to predict the future is to extrapolate the past forward. And if we look at the past, uh, the um, Holocene, like Todd said, that this is hotter than any time in the Holocene. Well, that's not true. 7,000 years ago was considerably hotter. And this is proven. Uh, Glaciers are melting with this warming, and they're uncovering the remains of old-growth forests well above today's tree line. It had to be warmer when those forests were growing. They carbon date to six to 7,000 years ago, even 10,000 years ago. Um, the uh, Monterach Glacier in Switzerland, uh, the Chievra, Chier, I can't pronounce these things, Glacier in Switzerland too, um, they found the remains of 350-year-old, that's old growth forest, Garibaldi Park right here in BC, that it, where the it, glaciers are melting, the trees are rooted right in the ground. So it was warmer back then. And Deserts don't necessarily grow when it gets hotter because the paleoclimatologists or historians or scientists anyway tell us that at this time, during the a, uh, Holocene climate optimum, six to 7,000 years ago, the Sahara was not a desert. 
It was warmer than now, but it was a lush green expanse. It had uh, marshes and rivers and shallow lakes. It was teeming with wildlife, both uh, in the water and on land. And it had a lot of humans living there as well. So it's, it's a different story than what Todd is telling, at least from what the science tells me. Todd? Well, and this is where it gets interesting, Art, because I'd love to know where you're seeing a climate record that says that it was hotter 7,000 years ago than it is now. Because I, yeah. I've seen the climate record, I've looked at it, I've studied it, and I don't see any of that data. So who's telling you this data that it was hotter 7,000 years ago? I could oh. give you the links or the information, yeah, but I don't have it right I mean, now. I know that, I mean, I get emails from people saying, well, you know, I know that it was hotter then and I can prove it because of this, that, and the other thing. But generally speaking, they're not people who actually do science. They're people who have opinions. And certainly there is a, there is a big, huge pushback. One of the big, biggest problems with the whole issue around the, the discussion of climate change is that our modern industrial complex is built on the notion that we will have available fossil fuels. And so there's a huge push to keep that going. Just as there was a push to, to, you know, people didn't, cigarette smoke didn't kill you. You know, there's a huge push. Lead wasn't, isn't a problem, right? All of these sort of long-term problems, there's a huge amount of invested industry in keeping going with what we have. And so they will do anything they can. They'll hire their own scientists. Um, and Naomi Oreski has written on this and, and extensively on the, the sort of, propaganda machine that wants to deny all of these things so that we can keep business as normal. Um, that's fine, you know. I mean, my life, I'll be dead before any of this matters. But I do worry about my grandchildren. I don't actually have grandchildren. I worry about the next generation of kids. I worry about the generation after that. I worry about my nieces and nephews and their children. Um, because this, if we keep going the road we're going, we will be, you know, sure, warmer temperatures. We're going to grow more f f food. It doesn't work like that. You need water. And if you don't have water, you can't do that. Okay, well, more water, hotter temperatures mean more water will va evaporate off the oceans. Yes, but that doesn't mean it'll get to where you have actually places where you can grow food. So we're going to be, I mean, we're just seeing the start of it. We got an area in BC burning right now that's the size of Newfoundland or size of Prince Edward Island. We have droughts in, in California, which are basically collapsing the American food system. I want to challenge you on some of that because, sure. I, and and the reason I want to challenge you on some of that, and I, and and I don't know Art if you were going to jump oh, in. Art with, will with, challenge with, me on all of that with yeah. with, with yeah. this thing. Is is I I guess I have a hard time, and and heck, you've you've said it to me, Neil. Climate change and global warming is not weather, and no. so so. But isn't it weather that causes droughts and forest fires? No. Well, yes and no. Um, so there's a new book out by um, Greta Thunberg called The Climate Book. And the cover is rather interesting because the lettering on it is structured in a way that, that um, basically represents the average surface temperature over the last 150 years. And if you look at what's happening over the last 30 years, 
It's all in the red. So individual day-to-day weather, you know, the fact that it's going to be 28 degrees today or whatever, um, 31 degrees in Prince George, that's not climate change. That's just normal variation. That's the noise. But the trend that you see overall is what then occurs. And that's the thing that the underlying trend is what allows it to be 31 degrees. We hit 33 degrees in June um, or in May in, in Prince George, which is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's the hottest day that by large margin. It's that underlying sort of slope to the graph that we have to worry about. It's not the noise on a daily basis. It's the overall projected slope. We're talking climate change on After 9 this morning, and we'll be back in a minute. Ecom is managing extraordinary 911 volumes this year, with calls already exceeding those of the heat dome in 2021. Help protect 911 resources by using the system responsibly. Only call 911 when immediate emergency assistance is required from police, fire, and ambulance. Know your location and exact address when available in case you need to call 911. And carry your phone carefully to prevent pocket dials of 911. Use this valuable resource responsibly to keep 911 lines open for emergency calls only. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats. Founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982, Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and there are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow, train, and sell your business. The Prince George Lymphedema Group is offering educational presentations and willing to participate in panel discussions with Q&As. The presentation can be tailored to fit your group's agenda. The Lymphedema Group can be booked for daytime or evening meetings. There is no charge, but an honorarium to the Spirit of the North Healthcare Foundation's Lymphedema Garment Fund would be appreciated. For more information on the Prince George Lymphedema Group or to book a presentation, email pglymphgroup at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. It's Neil Godwu. From, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Prince George Citizen, hosting After 9 this morning, subbing for Trudy Clausen, who will be back next week, talking climate change with Art Betke and Todd Whitcomb. I have I have a skeptic, and I don't, I don't know what to call you, a believer, Todd? You're fatalist. A fa- a fatalist. Um, as, as, as usual, some of the most interesting things are said in the break. And, and Todd, you reveal that you don't have kids. So in many ways, you kind of don't have stake in the long, in the long game here. And then Art, you reveal that you have kids, grandkids, and great grandkids. Um, so, so I guess I, I will kind of put that to you a little bit is that if, if we are, I, so I guess I, I, I want to, to ask if we, 
are, are we in agreement, the three of us sitting here, that that humanity um, is is putting has put and continues to put an incredible amount of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere every year? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and so again, children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, does. Does, doesn't that concern you, not necessarily for your own future, but their future? No. Why not? Because the effect of any new additional greenhouse gas on the atmosphere is very small. Uh, the effect of uh, carbon dioxide uh, greenhouse is logarithmic, which means the more you put in the air, the less effect any additional carbon dioxide will have. Um, basically, you double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and you will only increase the temperature by one degree. You double it again, which would be four times what it is now. You only increase it another one degree. But but doesn't that 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 all adds up though? It does, but it only gets so far, and uh, it's it's a long ways to go before it's a problem. Like uh, Todd said. Uh, Whereas the science that t- says it was warmer 7,000 years ago. Well, just look at those tree trunks up there. You don't need scientists to tell you that. Uh, and uh, as far as uh, more carbon dioxide, it also results in a greening of the earth. That plus the warming results in more evaporation, more water in the air, more rainfall. And the thing about carbon dioxide, uh, the plants need it. It's plant food. But when there's more in the air, they don't need to take in as much. So the stoma, the, the openings in their leaves, are smaller, which means they lose less uh, water through respiration, and so they can green. And NASA's vegetation index data shows that the globe has greened 10% so far this century, just 20 years, 10% increase in vegetation. Yeah, but is, it, but is, is that an increase... From and I hesitate to use this word, natural vegetation as opposed to crops, which is not vegetation. It is crops. Well, crops. Yeah, we, we're growing more food. Uh, the production of food keeps increasing, and nobody's starving, and we're better fed all the time, even as the population increases. And uh, 2018 study by Ventner et al found that the Sahara Desert had shrunk by 8% over the previous three decades. That's more than 700,000 square kilometers that's become green. I don't think that's from crops being planted. But could that be from other man-made causes? Apparently not. Okay, so So let's, let's unpack that. There was an effort made, there was what was called the Green Wall, the Great Green Wall. It was its effort by several countries in Africa with the idea that if they planted trees and crops in the Sahel, that they would manage to somehow hold the advance of the Sahara. And despite that assertion that it's shrunk by 8%, it's actually grown by a significant amount. Um, mostly what the Sahara doing is, 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 what Sahara is doing is creeping northward right now, not southward. And the Sahel is pretty much stable. But the fact that the people have been planting crops and trees there in order to stabilize that land is, well, yeah, changed the, the, the vegetation index in that part of the world. The, 
big issue here is one that um, so I'm a kineticist, and one of the things that kineticists worry about are what are called rate limiting steps. So what is the rate limiting step for the growth of plants? Rate limiting step has never been and never will be carbon dioxide. It's never going to be carbon dioxide. The rate limiting step is the availability of water and availability, more accurately, of nutrients. So you have to take vitamins. They're called vitamins because they're vital. It comes. It derives from a word called um, a scent. The term vital amines, because originally people thought they were all amine compounds. They're not. If you do not have vitamins, you get disease. If, if Those essential nutrients, if you do not have a certain amount of iron taken in on a daily basis, you develop anemia. It's the same thing true of plants. It's the uptake of these nutrients. And the uptake of these nutrients is dependent upon healthy soils, which is dependent upon having proper aeration and, and water content and a whole bunch of things that are being stressed by climate change and the changing temperature. You're right. We are growing more crops. That's what's done, played around with the vegetation index. It's not the natural environment. The natural environment is already putting out as much greenery as it can. We are changing that model. There's, there's a lot. Go there, ahead, Art. There's a little more. To, uh, like I said, 700,000 square kilometers that's become green in the Sahara. That's an area almost as big as Germany and France combined. So, they we, didn't plant that many trees. But but where is it? And and so so I guess and and I guess I'm trying to to square the circle here is that if if Todd is saying it's creeping northward, is this have these gains been made elsewhere in Africa? But they are completely offset by what is happening in the northern Sahara. Not from what I've heard. I've heard well, the overall area of the Sahara has shrunk. Yeah, and I as mean, far as carbon dioxide being good for plants, yeah, uh, greenhouse growers, they put carbon dioxide into their greenhouses. They like to have it a thousand parts per million to improve growth. So, But it doesn't happen. have any effect unless you add the other, other nutrients. And this is the problem is that they are not growing in a natural environment. They're growing in an artificial environment where they artificially induce large quantities of nutrient, which allows the plants to consume more carbon dioxide because you can get a more rapid growth rate. But in a natural environment, that does not happen. And the other side of this is that we could pull out our cell phones right now. We could pull up a picture of the Sahara from space using a geocentric or a satellite, look at it, look at the, the picture from 30 years ago, and you would find that there is no, there's an increase in the area. There's no decrease in the areas of Sahara. And so of course, I'm not sure it, where you're getting the 700,000 kilometers, square kilometers from, but I would suggest to you whoever is saying that is not telling you the truth. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Kaylin has just learned that she's not as human as she thought she was. Now she needs to figure out who she is and if she can trust Ronan, a man with more secrets than he's willing to share. Be on hand at Books & Company Saturday, July 8th, as local author Sarah Neeson presents her first novel, Trust in the Smoke. Meet the author and pick up your signed copy, Trust in the Smoke by Sarah Neeson. The book launch, Saturday, July 8th from 11.30 to 2.30 at Books & Company, 4th and Winnipeg. If you're totally out of shape, Trainer Kim's has a new 
fitness class just for you. Created for anyone new or returning to fitness after an extended period, Fitness 101 features slow-paced workouts allowing for proper instruction and form. Breaks are given for recovery and all exercises can be modified to meet every ability. If you are ready to take this first step towards a stronger, healthier body, contact Trainer Kim today by emailing trainer underscore Kim at hotmail.com. Award-winning journalist and author Brian Preston will be stopping in Prince George on July 28th. During the His and Hers book tour, Preston will be promoting his two novels, Stag, for guys who haven't read a novel in years, and A Lady Under Siege, a quirky romance novel geared more toward women. Stop by to chat and ask questions and hear passages from his books. The BC-wide His and Hers book tour with Brian Preston, Friday, July 28th from 11.30 to 2.30 at Books and Company, 4th and Winnipeg. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, a 60% chance of showers this afternoon with the risk of a thunderstorm, a high of 22 with a high UV index. Cloudy tonight, becoming partly cloudy near midnight and a low of 13. For Friday, clearing in the morning, a high of 23 with a high UV index. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Neil Godbu. Editor-in-Chief of The Citizens, subbing for Trudy Clausen. We're talking climate change with Art Betke and Todd Whitcomb. I, I, I want to talk about, and of course some of this again came from the conversation off air, about, and, and maybe this is partly why why some people get so vested in this and partly why some some people, in my in my view, check out of the whole climate change debate because... Good Lord, look at the things around us that could take us out, not only individually, um, but as a, a species here on Earth, uh, from from pandemics to to war. Uh, and, and I want to share with you, uh, uh, and I was in the room when he said it, Gwyn Dyer was the guest speaker to Bob Ewart to uh, dinner about uh, 10 years ago. And, and he he was talking about and and art you mentioned right glaciers are melting so right a warming a warming planet will melt glaciers uh, and and the fact that the Himalayan glaciers are provide the water for more than two billion people uh, on uh, between India Pakistan and China um, and basically he brought the uh, uh, what was supposed to be I think a celebratory dinner for northern medical program graduates and the bursaries and and into this very sort of dour experience where Gwyn Dyer is, is saying uh, none of us in this room will be around to see it but uh, we're looking at a world war somewhere in the early 22nd century uh, when India and China and Pakistan, all nuclear countries, start fighting each other over water, uh, which I guess gets back to the nutrient part uh, that, that you were talking about, Todd. Do, and, and, and I guess I'm now asking both of you to react as, as not as kind of whether you're on the climate change stuff, but should we be worrying about this so much as other things? Um. Is it a crisis that we need to worry about? Yes. Is it the most important crisis? I would submit to you that what's going on with Russia and Ukraine right now is a far more immediate concern than, than anything that we have in these long terms. The big problem is, as you said, it's hard to... It's like worrying about um, whether you can buy a cup of coffee tomorrow versus your mortgage. Which one's more important? Well, it, 
depends on how you look at these things. Most people work on in an instant gratification model that says, you know, today matters. I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, I would suggest as a planet and as a species, worrying about tomorrow, tomorrow will be a bad idea. The, the, the big problem is that when something goes extinct, it's gone. Nobody's bringing dodos back. Right? Nobody's bringing the MOA of Australia or New Zealand back. Aren't we going to try and do that in the lab, like Michael Crichton? And yeah, they're Jurassic going Park? to. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> keep, keep dreaming. Um, but, I mean, yes, yeah, so there are 800 million people. Who go. One of the more fu- fun statistics, back in the 1960s, they reckoned about 16%. There were about 3 billion people on the planet. 500 million went to bed hungry um, every night. And everybody was like, we have to do something about this. guy named Norman Barlog came up with what is essentially the Green Revolution and, and essentially through agricultural practices and husbandry, or, uh, not uh, botany, was able to feed the world. Okay? Um, and we've been going along great in that regard. But today, there's 8 billion people on the planet and 800 million go to bed hungry. So we've gone from 16% of the population to 10. Well, that's good. But we've also gone from 500 million to 800 million people who are malnourished. Um, I would suggest to you that's a, yes, in many ways, as a, a, a humanist or somebody who really cares about the human race, you know, that's a big tragedy. But in terms of the planet, there are too many people on this planet to begin with. Unfortunately, I don't know anybody who's willing to just say, well, I'll get out of here then. <laughs> Take one for the team. There is a mass extinction movement, um, but it, it is on the fringes. Art, I mean, you, you talked about melting of, of glaciers. Combine that with with right the rapid increase um, in in our population. Um, I, I, I guess I, what I'm asking is that whether you believe in climate change or not. Um, isn't that doesn't the population itself pose a problem uh of course yeah but uh we do have the means to feed us all we do have the resources and you know like the melting himalayan glaciers that's an awful lot of glacier there these this whole idea that they're going to melt real quick and cause a war no that's not going to happen it's going to take a long time for them to but, melt away but but we but but you mentioned yourself that 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 glaciers some of the glaciers have been melting yep. quite quickly the athabascan glacier uh <laughs> even in the seven year absence uh that that i went between seeing it on trips to calgary i i, I was shocked uh, uh-huh. of a place that i could not stand Seven years earlier, I'm now able to stand yeah. uh, because I can stand on rocks rather than on ice. But the Himalayan glaciers are a lot bigger than that. You know, uh, until I think around 1500, the Sierra Madras had no glaciers. Now they do. So uh, if, if you want to... because of the, there was cooling, and now it's warming up from the cooling and they're melting. As far as population goes... Uh, it's projected to peak at around 10 or 11 billion. 11 billion because people live longer, but if it just follows the natural path that it's following, it would peak around 10 billion. The only reason it's growing, we are at uh, the worldwide globe, our reproductive rate is two children per woman, average. That's replacement level. 
The population is only growing because the younger people make up a larger proportion of the population, and they're going to have children for three generations yet. And then it will peak around 10, and then it will start to fall. Uh, China's population, because of their one-child policy uh, for so many years, they're facing a huge problem. I've heard one prediction say they're going to drop by their population by 400 million people. That means a very old country with uh, many, much fewer younger people trying to support them all. So it, it's not going to keep going till we all implode or starve to death. Yeah. We have the means now to produce way more food than we are. Most of the people who are going hungry are not because we don't have the food. It's because the distribution of food isn't there. Where we're producing it, we have surpluses, and it's not just not getting to them there. We're going to take our last break. We'll be right back. The Alzheimer Society of BC's Northern Interior, Northwest and Northeast Resource Centre is located at 1811 Victoria Street. The centre is currently offering virtual support only, but can be reached by calling 250-564-7533 or toll-free at 1-866-564-7533. You can also email info.princegeorge at alzheimerbc.org. The Northern Interior, Northwest and Northeast Alzheimer Resource Centre. For those suffering from dementia, across northern BC. Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Hungry? Looking for something good to eat? Well, pop on by Boston Pizza and try their new feature menu, where jalapeno popper dip is back by popular demand, along with the many tasty new items. As always, Boston Pizza offers medium and large pizzas. Buy one, get one, 50% off for takeout or delivery. And don't forget their happy hour runs in-store from 3 to 6 and 9 to closing daily. Give Boston Pizza a show today at either location, Spruceland or Brookwood, for any of your snacking needs. Step back in time to celebrate Canada's birthday with Dominion Day, Saturday from 10 to 4 at Hubble Homestead. Stop by for some old-fashioned fun with heritage demonstrations like ice cream and butter making, turn-of-last-century contests and games, cake, entertainment, and more. Full details are available online at hubblehomestead.ca. Don't miss the fun. Dominion Day celebrations, Saturday from 10 to 4 at Hubble Homestead, 40K North off Highway 97 on Mitchell Road. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. We're going to finish our topic, our discussion about climate change with... What are we gonna? What are we gonna do? Um, because I, I, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're we're stuck with: do we continue the status quo? And the status quo is: we haven't even brought up the economy and <laughs> continue th- this idea of right. I, I mean, economists don't live in the real world because if they lived in the real world. Uh, they would understand that basic physics just tells you that you can't grow exponentially forever uh, on a limited planet. 
with limited resources. Uh, it, that that is impossible. But I digress. Um, it, it's because I think I I think the the final point, and I'm glad this is why it came up in the in in the in the final analysis here is. Do we just keep doing what we're doing and just kind of hope it all works out? Um, and, and if the pro, and if whether that's in 100 years or 200 years or 300 years that the Himalaya, Himalayan glaciers melt, that well, that's that's a problem for those generations. Or is there a moral obligation to do something? Now, because we are pretty sure, but not 100% sure, it's a problem. So, was it Chief Seattle who said that, I do not inherit the earth from my ancestors, I borrow it from my children? Um, I think we do have an obligation to look out for the future. And I do think we have an obligation to look out for the next generation and the generation after that. I don't think... Um, people are thinking that way. Um, and I mentioned to both of you earlier that there's a book called The Ministry of the, Fu- Ministry of the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson, um, which is a book that basically lays out a plan. It's, it's a very strange book because it's half science fiction and half um, nonfiction. Um, and he blends the two of them together. But it's a, basically a story that would lay out a plan for how to address and deal with some of the issues. And, I mean, one of the things we haven't even talked about are climate refugees right now. I mean, there's reasons why people are living, leaving certain parts of the world, because there's no water, there's no land, there's no food. They can't live there. So they're trying to escape from Africa into, into Asia or into Europe. So I did want to challenge you on one thing that you had said earlier, and that was the age of the science. Mm-hmm. Right, that that a lot of this understanding has happened. Well, frankly, in our lifetimes. Yep. Um, and and so doesn't that doesn't the history of science? Hey, I've read my Karl Popper. Doesn't that make the science a little suspect? No, because it's founded on on a, a more profound understanding. Um, the, a lot of what Popper had to say was because science in the eighteen hundreds was whimsical to a certain extent. But once we began to understand things like atoms and molecules and we could analyze them and categorize them, once we understood DNA and and the like, we understand how a lot of the world really does work. And we can understand and do analysis of, of a whole. I would argue that the instrumentation available today just dwarfs anything that was done in the last 11,000 years. Um, it's it, 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 we truly are moving at a pace that is quite phenomenal. All right, any last thoughts? Yeah, um, supposing I'm wrong, supposing the skeptics are wrong and the alarmists are correct, uh, what should we do about it? Well, first of all, stop everything that we've been doing. We have to face the reality we are a fossil fueled world, despite uh, three and a half trillion being spent on trying to change the weather over the past few decades uh, all we were able to do was uh, drop uh, fossil fuels from supplying 82% of our energy down to 80% and then it went right back up to 82% again and we all know that things like uh, green uh, energy like wind and solar 
cannot replace fossil fuels. They're prohibitively expensive. They damage to the environment. And uh, the amount of money... Sorry, I just want to just kind of cut in and challenge you on there. Is it that they can't replace it now, but could in the future? No, they can't. They can't. Uh, the wind isn't blowing 24-7. Now, the sun isn't shining 24-7. So you have Above to, the clouds it is. Yeah, not where we are. Yes. Uh, even when it's cloudy, it will produce some electricity, but every night it's not. And in the depths of winter here in the northern part of the world, uh, you get eight hours a week sunshine, you're not getting much electricity out of it. And if you get a cold front that moves down from the Arctic and it sits in here for a week or two, where are you going to get your power? Because the wind doesn't blow and the cold is sitting in there. You need some kind of backup uh, fossil fuel generation. Uh, fossil fuels can be dispatched incrementally and it can be changed as because the electricity need fluctuates constantly and uh, it, it can be ramped up or cut back as needed you can't do that with wind you can do it with hydro you can do it with fossil fuels you cannot do it very well with nuclear nuclear is on or it's not uh, so you it, we we should acknowledge that the fossils aren't going to do it. besides which it doesn't matter what we do here in Canada or the developed world. We know that the developing world isn't going to do it. China and India have made it abundantly clear that they are not going to cut emissions. They are going to keep increasing them. And their people uh, are poor. They don't have uh, electricity. They're going to give it to them whichever way they can. China is building a record number of coal plants. They're not going to cut. So anything we do will be overwhelmed by that. As Bjorn Lomberg, the skeptical environmentalist, said, now he's a believer in climate change and global warming, and he believes we need to do something about it. But he says this is a waste of money and effort, and what we need to do is take that money and focus on research to find a viable energy source to replace fossil fuels. Thanks, Art. Thanks, Todd. Hey, this uh, this hour flew by, and we could probably talk for another hour, and maybe we will another time. I'm glad I got the two of you to finally meet. You're two amiable gentlemen who happen to disagree about an important topic, uh, and I think if we all agreed, it would be a very boring world, and frankly, we'd have nothing to talk about on After 9. Uh, Trudy Klossman will be, be back next week. Have a good day. Thanks, Neil. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. Listen for a rebroadcast of today's program tonight at 10. And for past shows, check out the archives link at CFISFM.com. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email CFISFM at Yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFISFM Prince George, proudly supported by local organizations like the Multicultural Heritage Society. Check them out online at MulticulturalHeritage.com.